Hey Mavens, welcome back to another episode of Beauty Mavens Podcast. Before we dive in, I hope you all are surviving quarantine and that you're still able to take time for yourself and for your business and continue to grow and scale your beauty business. I'm sure you're doing a lot of pivoting. If you're ready to give your business a makeover by learning a new skill or two, then Beauty Mavens Collective is your BFF when it comes to comprehensive beauty business training. We have an online course that is, so we did an in-person summit and the whole thing is recorded for you guys. So in this course, you'll learn how to brand your business like a maven. Let me just give you a little sneak peek of the table of contents. First, you're going to identify and find your why for yourself and for your brand. This is the single most important thing that you can do in your beauty business. Seriously, guys, trust me on this one. The second thing is going to be finding your core values. This also literally changed our business once we figured out what our core values are and we're able to communicate those to our teams and to each other and it just helps us know what to do in our business. We're also going to talk about brand promises, brand voice, and brand consistency. We dive super deep into your client avatar and figuring out who your ideal client is so that you're not always shouting to the masses. And then we also have four guest speakers and their whole presentation is recorded that you can listen to. Um, We have Lori Ward from LW Skincare. She talks about mindset, and it's a really good one. Sam Hurst from Blush Beauty Co. She gives 10 really comprehensive business plans that you need to have before you open your salon. Ginny Naylor, who works for Bayblast, she gives you tons of retail tips. And then Mary Miller from Maven Strong. She really dives deep into how to take care of your body and things that you can do to really take care of your body, especially while you're lashing. So whether you just graduated school and you need to build your clientele, if you're jumping into network marketing, selling makeup, if you are an established salon owner ready to expand, if you are wanting to pivot and really focus on building your brand and coming back once this quarantine is over, coming back strong, then this workshop is for you. It's a hands-on approach. You get a workbook that you can sit and do the work for your business. We always say you can do it, but you really, really, you can do whatever you want to do. You can dream big and reach your biggest goals, but we also believe that you need the tools to start. So if you're ready to make your next move in the beauty industry, run to our Instagram and click on the link in our bio. And then there will be a button in there that says online course sell. I have not mentioned this, but this course is more than 75% off right now. We wanted to make it affordable for everyone right now. So run, grab this course, and really, like, we have the time. We have all the time in the world right now to work on online courses. So dive deep, really get your brand established so that we can come back stronger than ever. We hope you love this episode. Make sure you screenshot and tag us when you're listening to it. Let us know what your biggest takeaways are. 
and let's get into the show. Welcome to the Beauty Mavens podcast. Kristen and Madison are creating a space where the beauty obsessed can feel empowered to dream big and achieve their goals. It's awesome. Interviewing other mavens in the beauty industry to discover their secrets to success and how they got to be the expert that they are. Brought to you by a sister duo of estheticians and entrepreneurs. Here's your hosts, Kristen D'Oliveda and Madison Annis. We are here with Lana from Lux Uncut. We're really excited to have her on our show. And Lana, thank you for coming on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about our topic today. We are so excited. Our audience is really going to benefit from this because. Juicy goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know you, which. Are you living under a rock if you don't know Lana? <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Give just like a short little story of how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, so you did the intro. I'm Lana from Lux Cut. I founded um, the company, if you will, five years ago when I was going to beauty school and high school at the same time. Um, I fell into this pretty accidentally, um, but it was really my core passions that I had um, growing up that led me to where I am today. I was really passionate about always like serving my community. I was obsessed with beauty, thanks to my grandma who instilled a super strict beauty regimen in me since I was like four. Um, so I won't have wrinkles when I'm 80, hopefully, with her tricks. <laughs> and, um, I also had a passion for art. So obviously all of those three things are very heavily um, implemented within what we do. So that's what basically got me here and got me started. Um, now I have a storefront. I have a couple employees. I also teach um, across the country. So it's pretty crazy how I got started and where I am today, but that's kind of a gist. Hopefully that's enough info. Yeah, that's about me. Yeah, we'll dive deep. <laughs> um, so you just opened your storefront. Has it even been a year yet? Oh my God, no. Our official opening date was November 1st. So yeah. fresh. So, We're so fresh. Like fresh. <laughs> so fun. But before that, you've been doing trainings for a long time. Yeah, for almost three years now, I think. It's all a blur these days. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we feel with our timeline. <laughs> so, really, when did that <laughs> I know. So how was the transition from, I mean, I know you're still doing classes, but from being an educator to opening a salon? Um, I wish I could say, like, it's rainbows and butterflies. I'm sure you guys, and maybe... I'm wrong here, but I feel like a lot of people feel the same way with, like, kids. Like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then you get there and you're like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, Ain't that the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel with this. And um, granted, I think it's more so uh, me stepping out of being a lash artist into all of this. That's been the biggest difficulty since training is only, like, a couple days out of the week. But it's been such a... Um, learning curve and I've learned so much about what it takes to not only 
find a store, but build a store and then manage a store because all of those things, believe it or not, are separate from each other, but they so heavily like rely on each other. So walk us through the process. How did you find your location or when did you know it was your, like you were ready to open your studio? Let's start there. That's a great question. Um, I feel like no one really knew that I was going to do this and it just came out like, Hey, I'm opening a store. Um, I've always wanted to, I've always had a dream to have a space that, um, enabled artists to be creative and, you know, do what they love to do minus the business side of things. Cause some people just like to show up, go to work and they don't really want to worry about inventory and paying bills and that's okay. So I wanted to have that. Um, I didn't think I would be here this soon. If you had asked me this question, like last year, I would have said five years from now. Really? Um, yeah, it was, I got into trainings and I had a full clientele of 60 clients and I obviously had nowhere to put them when I um, pursued becoming like an educator full time, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of like pivot. I feel like that's such a big thing with being a business owner is understanding like you got to pivot sometimes. So I was trying to pivot there and ended up hiring on one artist a couple months after becoming um, a full-time educator. And it kind of kept going from there. I was in a space that was only big enough for us. And we were obviously growing. And um, the space that I was in at the time, um, we couldn't continue our lease. So for me, it was either, all right, expand and let's go and keep nourishing the, um, the store aspect of the business. Or you know, I guess fire who you just hired and just pursue educating. Obviously I chose the other route and that's mostly because I, um, didn't just want to teach and I didn't just want to have a store. I have a major passion for both and they fulfill different sides of like my creative self. So that's kind of why I'm here today is one, because I needed to, and two, I, was either going to downsize the business or continue to grow it. Yeah, that's amazing. And how, what, because we've been in the same situation, that's actually kind of how we grew too. Like, we were never planning on opening a studio. <laughs> it was not in the plans. It was not something we ever, like, said we wanted to do. Of course, too. Yeah, but we had a tiny room, and we had someone booth renting, and the three of us just didn't fit. So, so then the opportunity came to get this bigger space, and it just happened to be a storefront location. And so we were like, okay, let's do it. Like, what else are we going to do? Stay in this 160-square-foot room with, with no, no windows? <laughs> no, we're in not doing that. <laughs> so it's Didn't just- you guys, like – you had it had like maven or something on the outside already and it just aligned with you perfectly yeah the the like block that we're on is called the maven block it's just so interesting yeah it's perfect so we're yeah so we're still in that area too that's why when the space opened up we're like okay we definitely need more room let's just do it yeah but it is you're right it is a completely different skill set it's a completely different 
business, different tasks. What are some what are some things that surprised you when you opened your studio? Like what are some things you're doing business-wise that you didn't maybe think you would be doing? I like that question. That's a good question. Um let me start with I guess, just the store aspect of things. Um, I didn't expect for there to be such demand to do, like, admin work um, and, like, manage receptionists. It sounds so silly because those tasks seem so minor, but I find myself a lot of the time, like, making sure everything, every basic part of the store is moving smoothly. So making sure the receptionists are communicating with the clients in the right way, making sure, you know, the register is balanced, um, inventory is taken care of, which again seems so minor, but those things are so important when you have staff and those things need to be super organized. Um, So I find myself doing little things like that. And those things seem little but they take hours <laughs> inventory takes they take so much time so yes yeah I think <laughs> the hardest part of inventory for lashes is I count it all and I'm like wait a minute was that volume or classic was that c or cc like I all get so confusing <laughs> that I have to do it like when I'm counting lashes specifically I have to do it like three different times yes 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 totally relatable <laughs> um but yeah I find myself doing that I know that when I like first got the space I found myself learning a lot about like construction and like permits and all of that good stuff, which I'm sure you guys went through the same exact thing. Oh like, yeah, and, and how construction, um, no matter what date they say, it will not be done then. <laughs> yeah, like everyone literally says that, but for some reason, I thought I was different and it wouldn't happen to me, and it did. <laughs> oh gosh, we have all been there. We. Yeah. We are actually, so our building, the little shops next to us are going through construction and they said it'd be done in October and we are here in March and it's still not done. Oh my God. Oh my God. So we just get like all the loud noises from it. Oh my gosh. So we just like turn the music up. It's a little more happen in place than relaxing for the last couple months, but that's okay. Okay. It's okay. You're going to have good neighbors. (laughs) Yes. Um, so your first, so you did hire an employee before, was she an employee or was she a booth renter? Employee. Employee. Okay. And then when you opened your new space, obviously you had to hire again. So walk us through your hiring process. Yeah. That's my question. Oh, good. Okay. So I must say, um, I no longer have those staff members, like artists with me. Really? They're no longer with us. So I'm going to say things that I would change with my hiring process and things that I would do differently with my hiring process. Um, cause I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting right. here, I love it. but yeah. So, um, initially going into it, I really was focused more on character and more on, um, like personality and just how they were with people since we are in a service-based industry, how people interact with other people is super crucial. So I wanted to make sure that they were conversationalists, they had manners, they were bubbly, they were well-rounded, obviously that they were lash artists and were somewhat decent at it. That part I wasn't too um, picky about, given the fact that I am an educator. My point of view is just like, all right, if you don't have experience, as long as you're like well-rounded and you're good, 
I can teach you, and blah, blah, blah. Right. You can teach someone to do lashes, but you can't really teach them to talk to your clients or to no. have a good personality. That is so exactly. true. Exactly. You, you totally can't. Yeah. So that's where I was coming from there. A couple things that I missed that kind of shot me in the foot, but um, I'm not too upset about it because everything is just a learning process. And for me, it everyone's like panicked that knows that those two girls are no longer with us. They're like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Are you going to booth rent? Are you going to hire again? And for me, I'm just super happy that I was able to learn those things about managing employees, what employees are best that align with me and my business right off the bat, then like months down the road. Right. Um, but those couple of things that I missed with my hiring process was um, making sure that they were driven that they were self-starters and problem solvers. Oh my gosh, Lana, you are speaking to our souls. We just hired a receptionist. I think it lasted, what, Maddie, 10 days before we were like, okay, where's the motivation? Where's the drive and the bubbly personality I saw in your interview? So we totally, totally relate. Okay, good. I'm, I'm super happy I'm not alone. Um, I think that unfortunately a lot of people I call it catfishing like during the hiring process I think a lot of people are good at being that ideal person you want them to be for the interview oh that's exactly what it you. is yes yes it's not the same in real life they don't behave the same sometimes when they come and show up and actually work yes so how did you, like, did you end up having to fire those girls? Was it you just both knew it wasn't a good fit? Or how did that, if you don't mind sharing, how that went down? Um, I don't mind sharing. I, like, don't want to um, be a, like, catty person or gossipy too much. So I'll just, right. like, point blank say how, how it happened. Um, one of the girls that came on, didn't have a lot of experience, which I was completely okay with. She just knew classics, and I was actually really excited to help her because I come from a place of if you're fresh in the lash world, it's kind of like a, a, a virgin lash artist where they don't have bad habits, and you can mold them to whatever artist you want them to be. So I was really excited to have her on board. Um, but it ended up not working out because of the – the drive and the like basic attitude that she had carried um, within the store. And what I mean by that without getting into too much detail is I was able to teach her, right? But she wasn't enough of a self-starter to actually implement those techniques and be practicing hours on end. And that goes back to making sure someone's a self-starter and they're driven enough to do that on their own. Because at the end of the day, as bosses, we can do as much as we possibly can do for someone, but you can't spoon feed it to them. So it wasn't working out on that side. I, I wasn't able to, you know, tell her, hey, did you practice for 15 minutes today and do this? Or, hey, um, did you have questions when you were practicing? And that just, it wasn't a good fit on that end. So um, she ended up quitting, which was okay, because honestly, your first fire is terrifying. At least I was terrified because no one wants to do it. And also, 
what do you say? And what happens if they cry? What happens if they get pissed? You know, those are all unknowns. Yes, it is so hard. We, fortunately, up until now, have not had mm-hmm. to fire anybody, but it was a, we were about to have that conversation, and they quit. So let's just hope that streak continues. That's even better. People, I mean, we obviously, I'm not saying I want people to quit, but it's easier on us as the bosses. Yeah. Um, then the other one, the reason why it didn't fit was without being dramatic, um, she had had her own business prior and was over, you know, having to manage her clientele, having to buy inventory. She was looking for a space where she could just show up and leave. Uh And earlier, that's all I wanted to provide someone with, so I thought it was perfect match but um that ended up interfering with her being an employee here she was still taking clients outside oh sorry Lana one second oh yeah he's so cute trying to baby on set okay sorry so that she was taking clients okay let me get sit down okay so she was taking clients at her other location is that what you're saying um not necessarily, but she uh, was actively on her other business's page promoting it. So that's where it was conflict of interest oh, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know facts there. I just knew, you know, hire slow, fire fast. I had to cut it in the butt super fast. So we just let her go because of that. And, you know, as bosses, I think we have gut feelings about people and, like, intentions and just overall character. And I don't think I was wrong in firing her. We clearly weren't the right fit because a couple days after that, um, she had like all of her like story highlights and like brand logos and like everything already set up and had a place to already work at um, in a matter of 24 hours. So, you know, you roll with the punches. You roll with the punches and... (laughs) Literally everything you're saying, I'm like, that. yep, this happened, exact same thing happened to us. Like, it's crazy. Like, I totally feel you. And it's hard. And sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how to word this, but sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but you almost, like, want this, the team and the employees, like, it's hard to see them go because it hurts your ego a lot to be like, you know, everyone thinks you have this big right. team and then they leave and you're just, and then people are like, where's your team members? And you're just like, ah, like that's, that's <laughs> hard to like face. But then when you really think about it, you're like, no, it, like you said, conflict of interest, this is better for both parties. But sometimes it like takes a shot of the ego. Total big shot to the ego. And I, I must say as like a disclaimer to like, I know you get it, but anyone listening is, um, I'm completely supportive of women and them going out to do their own thing. Other women's livelihood and their success is always my top priority. But the second it turns selfish and um, not selfish, not only that, I'm trying to say like when it almost feels like someone's taking advantage of another person. Yeah. Right. That's where it gets gets fuzzy there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because as a business owner – or like a boss, you are investing so much. And I think it's hard as so an much. employee. I don't think they always 
understand how much you've invested and how much you've put into it. Like, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's so hard. Yeah, I mean, like, a build-out alone is super expensive. And I was trying to make some of the ex-employees aware of, like, how much we invest into, like, the space alone for mm-hmm. artists to make it just, like, cute and comfortable and, you know, fun to be in. Right. Right. And then there's other things you invest in. Like for me, we invested obviously education. Everyone always learns the artistry course, which is it's got a pretty high dollar value to it that you get for free and headshots and you know, all that stuff adds up so quickly. And to spend all that money that you're willing to spend but have it go to nothing is again where the ego gets it gets hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It does. Oh well I'm sorry that so this is all fresh. So do you have any, do you have any lash artists right now with you? Yeah, I still have my original that I hired almost a year ago, Taylor. She's a gem. Love her very much. We <laughs> very appreciative of her. Oh, geez. We, <laughs> we have the same girl who's been with us the three years. And then we've definitely like weaved people in and out. But she's, we have the same. She sounds like your Taylor. Our, her name's Maddie. Oh, my God. Our OG. Oh, Maddie, we love her. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. Um, okay, so, yeah, business ownership is hard. So we did this on a podcast. Someone asked us this question, and it was kind of hard, but I really thought it was a good question and made me think a lot. So I want to ask you the same question. Uh-huh. It was work through failure, WTF. So, um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so she just had us go through and, like, talk about one of our what felt like a failure and how we like worked through it so is there something that you can think of that like a failure that you've had to work through and what you've learned from it this is such a good question and the almost ironic part is during my interviews my like question that gets people thinking is that I ask the um person I'm interviewing what's your favorite failure so yeah. Now that it's turned on me, I'm like, ooh. And it's hard. I'm like, I can ask yeah. the questions, but when you have to answer them, it's hard. <laughs> right. Um, so for me, it sounds so cliche. I'll find one, but f- for me, I, I don't view things as failures. I view them as, like, times in your life where you're needing to grow mm-hmm. because we always learn from our failures. Um... My favorite failure has to definitely be, just because you're asking this question today, the whole hiring and firing process. Because technically, like, um, it would be nice to still have them and no one was wrong in what they did. And it's just me that views it as a failure. But I, that's been my favorite thing because of the fact that I've learned so much of, like, how I should be as a boss like how to be a better boss, how to handle situations better. Um, And I've just also learned more about like the culture of what I want Lux and Cut to have. I hope this is making sense. I'm kind of just like pulling this out of my, yeah, my butt here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've learned so much through that. And granted right now I kind of feel like a failure. I know that. I've already learned so much and I'll continue to, and it's only going to better me and the company altogether. Yeah. That's so good. And like, 
I mean, we're still like a young company too, but when things like that happen and it have happened to us, it feels like the end of the world. It feels like, like you do, you feel like a failure for a minute, but then like once you see, like once you get past it and you get new team members, you're like, oh my gosh, this was like, I totally see why that happened. This is, and it's so much better now. Like you learn and you grow and you come out better. So. Yes. I so agree with that. Um, the person I did a live with Derek about this topic, he had told me that he doesn't have anyone from his first round of hires. And I think Jasmine from Cheeks and City too. And I don't know when they admitted that to me, I was like, Oh my God, that makes me feel so much better. At least I have one. I have yeah. one from my first round of hires and I'm winning there. <laughs> yes. Well, that's why I love doing this podcast and listening to other podcasts because you can feel so alone in the industry uh-huh. and in your struggles. And there's like, you think it's only happening to you. But then once you start talking to people, you're like, okay, we're not the only ones. Like, this is happening everywhere. And it's not just happening to salon owners, it's happening to all business owners. Like all business owners have yes. turnover and have new employees and it's just it's just business. And have people that quit over text. And have people that quit over texts. Or, no. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like that has been our employees' go tos. I'm like, what what? Yeah. It's like breaking up with someone over text. You just don't do that. <laughs> I used to I used to manage a um so I used to manage Papa Murphy's and it's a pizza shop. <laughs> and I had 15 year olds that worked for me. And every time somebody quit, they would come up to me and be like, Hey, I need to talk to you. Like, is there a time I can meet with you? And then they would give me their two weeks notice. And then for some reason in this industry, I literally think all, almost all of them, almost all of them have quit via text or in some way that I'm like, what? Like, we, we once had two girls quit together. I'm like, okay. Oh, my God. Can you pull me aside and, like, we talk individually? <laughs> or one girl, said, one girl said, hey, can I talk to you? It was, like, late at night. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be at the studio tomorrow. We can meet at this time. And she goes, okay, well, actually, and then just texted me that she was quitting. I was like, what? <laughs> wow. I'm like, okay, I guess the I don't want to meet with you. We're always like, we need to do an episode on how – to quit gracefully quit. <laughs> yeah oh yes <laughs> because it's yeah and it's like we don't care that you're quitting like we understand you have to do what's right for you it's totally fine but it's like you could do it in a better way <laughs> do it in person and give your two weeks do it in person right. and give your two weeks yeah um okay let's switch gears a little bit Let's, Let's talk about... Let's talk about filling up your courses. Filling up your courses. Yeah, any marketing sales tips for filling up your courses? Courses. Um, uh, so, thankfully, what I want to credit, like, the momentum that I have now to is just simply, truly delivering everything I promised in my first couple of classes because just like the most popular way to get clients is word of mouth I think it's the same thing with like artists and students so if you're able to satisfy students in your first couple of classes and exceed their standards and expectations you know word kind of spreads like a wildfire fire thankfully in our industry 
But um, before I had that, it was all about, and my life still is all about Instagram. Like, you gotta connect. It's called social media for a reason. And I hope this answer isn't so like cliche and generic and expected, but having personal um, interactions with other artists within our community um, is super crucial. And no matter if you're trying to sell a class or sell a product or simply become known for XYZ within lashing, that's how you get there is connecting. I feel like Instagram is our generation's super simple, easy way of networking. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. It's super easy yeah. though. So network the heck out of yourself um, and go from there. Like beyond that, it's then delivering what you're saying you're going to give to people. Yeah, that's great. I think those are all really great great tips and great things to be doing um well I actually had an experience like delivering on your word and your brand promises I had an experience yesterday with that with Jimmy John's do you know what they're known for (laughs) Lana (laughs) um is it they're like they have to get to you in like five minutes or something yes and guess what yes I had a horrible experience yesterday but then they corrected it so I'm not talking trash on Jimmy John's but it took me two and a half hours to get my correct sandwich delivered the first time it took an hour and 15 minutes and it was the wrong food. There was no meat or cheese on my sandwich. And then 30 minutes later, I got the right one finally. And I was like, so peeved about it. And I called him and I let him know the situation. I'm like, okay, this, you guys are supposed to be freaky fast. This was freakishly slow. I literally live four blocks away. I could have walked there faster than this. And, um, and then me and Maddie were going out for, Maddie came over, we were going out for a walk, and I was like, what is this? There was, like, cash in my door frame. I'm like, where did this money come from? And then there was a Jimmy John's receipt. So they had, like, came back, delivered me my money. I don't know why they didn't just refund it to the card, but I found some cash in my doorstep, and I was like, oh, my gosh, they totally rectified that situation. I wasn't even expecting, I was expecting a refund on the delivery fee, maybe, but, like, not my whole order. So that, they, like, went above and beyond to correct the mistake. So, Deliver on your brand promises, but, like, if you make a mistake, it's okay. Just fix it. Own up to it and fix it, yeah. Yes, which I think that actually goes further, not to say intentionally mess up your first impression, but I almost think making a mistake, correcting it, and going above and beyond almost goes further for people and is way more memorable to them. Yeah, that is true. I've never looked at it that way, but that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Because our expectations are obviously so low for people to, like, fix a mistake that when that happens, you're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but you're like, if I'm doing business with you, I already expect to have a good experience. So then you just kind of write it off as it was a good experience. But when it's, like, bad, then good, you're like, oh, wow. That was great. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. Those those were really good. I want to know what – because I know you do a lot – like, your branding is beautiful. Your courses, like, all your sales pages, are you doing that all on your own? Like, I want to know where you're spending most of your time in your business. <laughs> How do I spend my time? So, thankfully, I have a good answer for this this year. I have organized my time throughout the week to do different tasks. So, I'm a certain person certain days of the week. Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm a lash artist. Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm, like, a graphic designer slash admin person slash, like, personal assistant to myself. 
And then the rest of the days of the week are typically dedicated to training or being like the receptionist here at the store. Um, but to answer your question that you subbed in there, I do all of my like graphic design marketing things. I do a hundred percent of it. Yeah, they look so good. And I'm like you said, you spend two whole days doing that. That's yes. I just sometimes <laughs> like I think especially now with having a baby, I like view my time a lot differently. And <laughs> every day I like talk to Chris and I'm like, I just did like literally just worked all day and it's like things you don't get paid for, but things that are important, you know? And so sometimes I'm like, oh, why do I do this? But then I'm like, well, I know I have to do it. I'm not, you know, but those, those are the hard parts is like for me, I mean, and it doesn't, it comes natural, but it's, I am, I like I'm self-taught. So using the software doesn't come natural. So it takes time to like build out those things. I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> That one day. No, it is so. It's time consuming. Yeah. It's for sure the most time consuming thing. I think like marketing is almost more time consuming than doing lashes, like a full set. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone feels the same way, but I do. Um, <laughs> that's why I had to dedicate those two days, which sounds like a lot. It's not all day. I would say like six hours a week is spent not only with my content, but like Taylor's content. I make sure she's taken care of so she doesn't have to do that. And then I just recently launched my, like, creative content services to help Mm -hmm. artists and, like, lash businesses with the marketing side of things. So they get a certain amount of, like, posts and stories. Sorry, baby. (laughs) Oh, you're okay. Angry baby. Um, So I saw, is that when you posted, like, you had the menus? Like, you have templates that people can use. Is that what that is? Or can you explain that further for anyone no. listening? Yeah, so that is just a basic, like, starter package for people that need, like, a consent form and they need referral cards and cool things like that, price menus. The creative content services that I offer is um, for anyone that is looking for marketing and branding assistance either on a monthly basis or they simply want to jump start that side of their business so I offer a starter package within that so I will give you like your logo a brand board story templates and content for you to use and then you can take it or I have um, other maintenance packages so I have a A low maintenance package, which includes two stories and two pictures within the month. A routine maintenance package, which is four stories and four posts. Or a high maintenance package, which is, I think, ten stories and ten posts for people that are needing a lot more help with Instagram or is really trying to, like, become really big on social media. Mm -hmm. But that's what I offer, and that's why I've now dedicated two days out of the week for that um because it's not just me that I'm creating content for it's other people you're like that's a whole nother business of you're like a graphic designer <laughs> holy cow <laughs> I it, is. I... it came out of nowhere but I love doing it and people think I'm good at it and they like it so yeah I'm happy fulfilling that creative side that's amazing so good. Maybe I need to hire you because <laughs> I don't love doing it. I do love doing it. I, it depends on the day and the hour and what I'm making. Of course. <laughs> and the mood. Depends yeah. on the mood. Yeah. I don't like writing the copy. I'm like, I'll 
if someone gives me the copy, I'll, I can put it all together. But so Kristen writes all the copy, but that's the part that is really boring to me. Um, and that's the part I love. And that's the part Kristen loves. But that's balance, perfect balance. Yes, that is so cool. Okay, before I let you go. I don't know if you still do this, but I remember probably last year, maybe it was even a little longer ago, you were posting about, I've actually, I'm assuming you don't do it because you have your storefront, but you would travel and go places and go to people's houses and do lashes. Do you still do that at all? Oh, yes. No, I have put that on to our lovely and dearest Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sees we have house call clients, so... Yeah, we still offer that as a service, but it's far too time consuming. And I'm going to just be real with everyone. I don't have the patience anymore to deal with like those types of clients because sometimes the house call clients can be snobby. Yeah. And I'm not for that. But Taylor is just kidding. Just kidding. She loves them. (laughs) So, would you recommend like if someone's wanting to do that side of their business? Like, was it good for your business? Oh, my God. God, yes, it's so, so lucrative. So um, to kind of spill the beans on the income that that provides the business, it's around $1,000 a month for just that one client for house calls. And that's That's so good. Yeah, it's not that much time that's dedicated to them. Granted, you have to allocate time for travel and like service there and takedown and setup. However, we've kind of got it down to science where we only pick a specific zip code within our city, which is relatively close to the store. But that zip code is also specific to um, household income. So we know that the area is going to be safe. We know that the high-end clientele that can afford that service is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And it makes the whole process easier. But yeah, house calls, absolutely recommend it um, because that type of clientele is, in my opinion, the type of clientele you want. Yeah. Well, the average lash artist is probably making anywhere, like, let's be generous. They're probably making $200 off a client in a month. That is very lucrative if you're doing the house calls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're doing uh, two fills a month or maybe they're coming in a little more, but what, um... So there, you charge for the travel. Their service mm-hmm. is obviously a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their service is four fifty. And what's your service at your studio? Just so we can get like a comparison. Um, a fill at the studio is one ten. Four fifty for a fill. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then, and that includes the travel. So that just covers all your costs. Yeah, and those people don't like to be nickel and dimed for anyone listening. So make it a flat fee. Don't charge them separately because then they feel taken advantage of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> that sounds... I don't love doing lash extensions. Me and Kristen don't do a ton. We have our girl Maddie who does our all of our lash extensions. But I'm like, if I could get 450 for a fill, maybe I would reconsider. <laughs> That is awesome. It's really fun, though. Like, you get to, not only do you get to see really nice houses, which is always a plus, right? But you end up becoming super intimate and close with those people. Um, So now, like, they buy us, like, Christmas gifts, and we give them Christmas gifts. And it's a a different type of client-artist relationship, but it's a special one for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Are there people doing that in your city, or did you kind of start that where you're at and you're the only one? 
I want to say I pretty much started that. I got it from my first training ever was with Star Lash Extensions, who does Kylie Jenner's lashes way back in the day when I was just learning classics. And she had told me that she does house calls to Kylie because paparazzi was just getting to like too much at um, her like lash studio. And I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Every city has a city of or a neighborhood where people are just like pissing mm-hmm. out money yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a great like gap in the market to be filled um I still to this day don't know of any other salons that offer that um but it's a good idea for anyone who's in a city that already knows of a neighborhood that they're thinking of right now that they could do that for because even just one client is enough. I was gonna one say, client in a good area. Yeah, or when you get the one client, then they tell, like, their circle is going to be their similar clients, yes. and they're going to spread the word. And I was going to say, just about every city is getting the real housewives, and those are all the, you know, the bougie yes. ladies. So <laughs> just reach out to them, because they all need their lashes done. Yep, exactly. That's amazing. Okay, I'm so glad I asked you that, because... I remember, I remember you question. posting about it, and then I had kind of forgot, but then it just popped in my head again, so. What's a Kylie Jenner house call price? Do you know how much she was? Oh, my God. Paying? Way back when, I think it was, like, $1,000. Oh, my gosh. And which it really isn't that much for Kylie. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're, like, best friends now. That's so cool. Yeah, like, Kylie threw this girl's baby shower. Oh. Yeah, that's way cool. But that, that's Do the, house calls and land Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, like what you're saying. Like it's a totally different relationship when you're going into someone's house. I can imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to share or any courses you want to talk about that are coming up or if you just want to tell people where to find you? Yeah, I'll just do that because I really don't like being salesy. But anyone that's interested in learning more about me, you can always visit my website, which is luxuncut.com. You can find client reviews, student reviews, the class lineup, the whole shebang. And then obviously, it's just the same thing on Instagram. If anyone wants to connect, I love connecting with other people in our industry. And that's just luxuncut as well. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much, Lana. This interview was really good. I'm excited for it to get posted. Thank you guys for having me. This is such a candid little podcast. I'm very honored to be a part of it. So thanks for the invite. Of course. So make sure you check Lana out on Instagram at Lux Uncut. And while you're at it, check us out at beautymavens underscore. And we will see you next week. XO XO Beauty Beauty Mavens. Mavens.